great start to the Christmas season. Jeffrey and the band sound great. We got Santa in the house. We got Jono's suit. I'm, I'm thinking we may have peaked too soon this Christmas. Maybe we need to slow things down just a little bit. Well, we're kicking off a brand new series called White Elephant Christmas. And uh, the great thing about white elephant parties is just how unexpected everything is. Like you, you don't know what's going to happen at a white elephant party. Uh, when it's your turn to pick, your number comes up and you have no idea what one of your goober friends put under the Christmas tree and wrapped up just to entice you into picking it and opening it in front of everyone. It's kind of a, a nervous energy at a white elephant party uh, because the other thing you know is that if you're at a good white elephant party or, or maybe a cruel white elephant party, if you open a gift and it's an article of clothing, everybody in the room is going to start chanting, wear it, wear it, wear it. And you're going to have to put it on and model in front of everybody. That's just the nature of white elephant parties. You, you go to a white elephant party and you expect the unexpected. You just assume crazy things are going to happen and crazy gifts are going to be given. The most unexpected gift uh, I've experienced at a, at a white elephant party was not even one that I picked myself. Uh, back when I taught school down the road here at LCA, uh, Julie and I made it a, a Christmas tradition that we hosted all the seniors at our house, and we had a, a Christmas party at the Sermons household. So the very first one we had, we're opening gifts, everybody's picking one and exchanging. About halfway through, <clears throat> one of the students picked a Christmas bag and started pulling things out. The first thing they pulled out was a picture of my kids in a frame that looked really, really familiar. And then the second thing they pulled out was a magnet from my refrigerator. And then a candle that used to sit on an end table in my living room one of the students, while people were arriving and we were eating appetizers and getting to know each other, had wandered through my house and put about five random items in his bag and left it under the tree. So feel free to use that at your next white elephant party. He did actually bring another gift to trade it out after we had a laugh. Um, I said, white elephant parties, they're just unexpected. You, you never know what's going to happen. <clears throat> I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but the first Christmas was unexpected. I mean, so, so many things in the story, it's like they don't belong, like it's, they're hard to believe, like that could never happen. Why did it end up that way? That's a crazy way to do this. That's a crazy way to accomplish what God was trying to accomplish. It's totally unexpected. Um, not, the, not the actual coming of someone, that, that, that was expected, but the, the way that he came, the events surrounding his coming, what he was like, and what he was going to teach, none of that was expected. Here's an example. Unexpected events in the Christmas story. If you've ever been engaged, and that's, that's most of us in here, a lot of us in here, you, you've been engaged. Um, if you've ever been engaged, there's a pretty simple, logical expectation of the engagement period, right? You, you know that we're going to have this period of 
love and commitment and, and joy and excitement and energy. And people are going to throw parties for us and give us gifts. And, and we're going to have to make a lot of decisions and, and figure out what the food's going to be at the reception and do all the invitations and uh, what music we're going to have in the wedding, who's going to perform the ceremony. I mean, it's fairly straightforward. These are the expectations for an engagement period. What no one expects during an engagement period is that halfway through the engagement, half of the engaged party would become pregnant, especially without the knowledge or participation of the other half of the engaged party. That's not expected. And it wasn't expected in the first Christmas either. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 1. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. In other words, she's all in. Like she's, she, she's on board. She's committed. She's looking forward to the wedding day. She's, she made the cute engagement video with the person hiding in the bushes for the person that, to catch the proposal. And she posted it on Facebook. She said yes to the dress. It's like everything. She was in. She was moving forward. We're going to do this thing. I'm all in. I'm committed to this. But... Before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And give Mary points for originality, right? Like nobody's ever used this one before. Like, like I'm a pregnant virgin and it's God's fault. Like nobody had ever come up with that one until now. But that's what that's the story she's going with to Joseph is I had nothing to do with this. This is God's fault. You gotta believe me, and Joseph's not buying it. Joseph's thinking, right, that's that's too much for me. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So we get this sense that Joseph's kind of torn. On the one hand, his, his faith, his religion is really clear about this sort of thing. Very specific about how this ought to be Handled. And when you read it, it's kind of clinical, right? Uh, because he was faithful to the law. It's, it's almost like you're reading a textbook, right? It's like you're reading instructions for putting Ikea furniture together. It was this, and so this had to happen, and this is the next step, and I'm going to do this. And I don't know. I think there was more going on inside of Joseph. I think there was, I think there was some emotional struggle. And, and, and we get it in the, in the next little... In the next little line there, he, he was torn between what I, what I know I'm supposed to do and what I ought to do, and, and maybe even what he felt like he wanted to do, and not wanting to inflict greater harm on Mary, not wanting to add to her humiliation, add to her disgrace, which, honestly, that says a whole lot about Joseph. I don't know how you read the story, but it says a lot about Joseph that he's wanting to dial the pressure back. On Mary, because when my expectations aren't met, especially on a personal, like hurt level, like when I when I expected good and somebody betrayed me, the last thing I'm worried about is whether they get humiliated or not. As a matter of fact, I'm kind of hoping for some public humiliation at that point if I'm in Joseph's shoes. But he's he's apparently such a, a faithful, gracious, kind person. That he doesn't even want that to happen. 
the engagement has not gone the way he expected. It had not gone the way Mary expected. And they weren't expecting the unexpected. Um, another example. Even Jesus. Jesus wasn't what people expected. He didn't come the way they expected. He, he wouldn't live the way that they expected. He, he wouldn't teach the way that they expected. I mean, they expected somebody to come. There have been all of these prophecies for hundreds of years. Somebody's coming. Somebody's coming. They're going to make things right. I don't know how much of the political, historical context of the Christmas story you're familiar with, but it, it wasn't all starry nights and peaceful settings. It was a tumultuous time, one of the most tumultuous times of, of the nation's history. Is they were being ruled over by the Romans. The Romans were trying to take over the world, or at least that part of the world. And wherever they took over, they would assign their own rulers, assign their own governors and kings and, and leaders. And they had assigned this particular area to a guy by the name of, of Herod, who in some ways was a, like a strong leader, but at the same time was incredibly brutal and incredibly unpredictable. You just never knew what side of the bed he was going to wake up on. Even if, if you were in his family, you, you needed to be concerned. One, one historian said something to the effect of the, the, the worst thing you could be is a son of Herod if he was angry at you because he'd kill his own family. He'd, he'd kill his own wives. Just totally brutal, totally unpredictable and without any sensibility towards anybody else's culture, certainly not the Jewish culture. So the Jewish people are living in a time of oppression, of, of they're having to adapt to new ways of life and, and new leadership and, and new cultures, and they have been promised that somebody would come and fix this. Somebody would come and rescue them out of this. And so they expected what you and I would have expected. Maybe a politician. Maybe someone who could come in and with inspirational words, he could galvanize all of the people and they could once again take their home back. Or if not a politician, maybe a warrior. Maybe somebody who was strong and, and battle-tested. Somebody who was a fighter and and we could just overthrow this Roman government. That's what they expected would come. And to some degree, we can understand that expectation. Not just because we can empathize with it, not, not just because we would maybe feel the same way in their shoes, but even when you read some of the prophecies from the Old Testament, they seem to emphasize a, a strength, a strength. A battle, a taking over. Here's a familiar Christmas passage from Isaiah 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Celebrating Christmas 2,000 years later, we know what Isaiah meant. 
Like we, we know he was talking about an eternal kingdom. He was talking about a spiritual kingdom. But if you had read this 2,000 years ago and you were living under Roman government, you would read this and say, somebody's coming to help us now. Somebody's coming to set up a government now. Somebody is going to come and exact justice and righteousness on the people who are hurting us now. That was one of their expectations. It's one of the reasons Jesus spent so much of his ministry teaching, talking about what the kingdom of God was. It was his most often used topic. His favorite topic was the kingdom of God. And so he spent so much of his teaching saying, well, the kingdom of God is like this. It's not like that. Well, the kingdom of God, picture it like this. Here's a story about the kingdom of God. Because they expected the wrong thing. And so Jesus had to come along and say, the kingdom of God's not about power, it's about serving. The kingdom of God is not about big, it's about small. The kingdom of God is not something that comes, it's something that's here. And it can be in you, it can be a part of you. And they were expecting the wrong things. If you think about expectations, sometimes expectations are just another way of saying what I deserve. Sometimes we say, I have expectations, and what we're really saying is, well, I deserve that. My expectations weren't met, and what we're saying is, I deserve something other than what I got. And that's kind of what the nation of Israel was saying. When we expected this kind of leader, we're saying, that's the leader we deserve. When, we're, when we say we expected to be free from oppression and struggle and pain and why are we having to go through this, they were saying we feel like we deserve something other than what we're getting. And we, we can understand that. I mean, if we were in their situation, we'd probably say the same thing. You deserve to be free. You deserve to live out your own beliefs and your own culture. You deserve to not be in fear from your rulers and from your leaders. You deserve that. But here's the thing about Christmas. Here's the thing about Jesus. Jesus didn't come to meet our expectations. Jesus came to meet our need. Because sometimes we have the wrong expectations. Or sometimes we have lesser expectations than what we really need. Jesus knew that no matter what we expect, no matter what we think we deserve, there was a need that every human had, and he was the only one that could meet it. So he doesn't show up on the first Christmas. He doesn't show up 2,000 years ago asking, well, what do you expect? And what do you expect? And how can I help you? And, and what are your expectations? He showed up 2,000 years ago to say, I've come to meet the greatest need of the human heart. We left Joseph in kind of a quandary. He's trying to make up his mind about what he's going to do. This is where the story goes. But after Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, 
because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. An angel comes in a dream to Joseph and says, I know it's a crazy story. I know it's not what you expected. I know the engagement is not going as you expected, the way you think you deserve. I'm telling you, this is from God. It's God's spirit that has put a child inside of Mary. You can believe that. You can trust that. And this child has come to save people. He's come to be a savior. His name, Jesus, means Yahweh saves. God saves. He's come to be a savior. And he hasn't come to save people from their government, to save people from difficulty or or struggles or pain. He's, He's come to save them from themselves. He's come to save us from our sin that separated us from God. It's the only need that we all share. We all have this same need at all times to be made right with God, to have our sins forgiven, to know that we have eternal life in heaven. It's our greatest need, not just at Christmas, but all year long. The problem in celebrating that at Christmas is we're a lot like the Jewish people of 2,000 years ago. We, We come to Christmas thinking that Our greatest need is to have some problem out there solved. Some problem out there that's affecting me. I need that solved. I need that taken care of. I need that struggle resolved. I need that difficulty resolved. I I need to be saved from the place that I work, my boss. I, I, I need to be rescued from my government or my president or our future president or what I need relief. I need to be saved. What we need salvation from is our heart's desire to run away from God. Jesus did not come to make all of our problems and all of our struggles and all of our pain disappear, although he does that sometimes. He came primarily to meet the greatest need of our heart, our separation from God because of sin. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, this this salvation that Jesus offers, this is where Jesus really goes white elephant because it's not what anybody would expect it. As a matter of fact, it's not what anybody would have made up. If we had given you the authority to make up religion, if we'd given you the authority to make up Christianity, this is not what you would have come up with. As a matter of fact, every other religion in the world, every other religion says this, you have to do something to get to God. You have to figure it out. You have to do enough good things You have to balance out your bad things with good things and and hopefully get one more good thing than bad thing and then everything will be all right. You have to be kind. Here are all of these things that if you want to go to heaven or, or be forgiven or become enlightened or whatever the goal of the religion is, every single religion in the world says, it's up to you. You got to do something. You've got to figure it out. 
You got to work hard enough. You got to be good enough. You got to keep enough things. You got to check off enough items on your spiritual checklist. It's like, you ever been given a gift that you had to put together? Some assembly required? Like you open it and it's like, yeah. There's like 1,500 bolts and screws and special wrenches that you have to use in order to get all of that together. It always makes me want to say, you, you liked me enough to get me a Christmas gift, but not enough to pay the 15 bucks that the store would have put this together. <laughs> like, what do I have to do between now and next Christmas to earn that extra 15 bucks? Because I'll do it. I don't want to spend the next two weeks trying to put this Christmas present together. Every religion in the world other than the Christmas story says this. Here's your gift... Now you have to put it together. Here's your gift. Now you have to make it work. Jesus comes 2,000 years ago at Christmas and says, I'm going to give you a gift and you don't have to do anything. It's free. And not only that, Jesus says, here's your gift. I put it together. I made it work. I paid the price. I finished it. There is nothing else for you to do other than receive it. Just open it. Just believe it. Just realize that you need it. Jesus came to be the Savior of the world. And He did all the work necessary. All the pieces are in place. It's not a gift that you open and then you have to go to work trying to make sure you keep the gift, trying to make sure you're good enough for the gift. Jesus enters the world as a baby, grows to be a man, lays down his life because of our sin, knowing that we couldn't do it ourselves, knowing that we couldn't work enough to be right with God and so he does everything, he does everything. The word we use to talk about this gift is the word grace. You ever realize that grace is a white elephant gift? Because nobody would expect it. Nobody would expect that the God who created the universe, all of us, that when we rejected Him, when we walked away from Him, that that God would say, I'm going to do everything necessary to bring them back. I'm going to do everything necessary that they could be made right with me. Nobody makes up that story. Nobody writes out their own religion, and that's the way the story ends. But Jesus came. Jesus came and said, I've done everything. Just open it. Just believe it. Just realize you need it. Realize you, you've sinned and you need this grace in your life. That's it. And certainly after you open that gift, after you experience Christ in you, yeah, you want to please God and you want to walk with God and you want to learn more of God and know more of God. But listen, there's no assembly required when it comes to salvation. There's no extra work. There's no bolts 
our screws, our weird wrenches. If you just receive it. That is the Christmas story. That's the white elephant Christmas story. Let's pray. God, we thank you. We thank you for the white elephant gift of grace. Mankind has made up many religions. And they all say the same thing. Try really hard. Do really good things. Don't let your bad outweigh your good. But the Christmas story, the truth of the God of the universe is, it's free. It's already been done. It's already been paid for. It's already been put together. It's never going to break. It's going to last forever. So as we enter into this Christmas season, we have so many expectations, so many things we want, and things we think we deserve. Let's enter in on the front end of this Christmas season realizing that you gave us not what we expected. At Christmas, you gave us what we needed. You set our hearts free through Christ. Not because of who we are, but because of your Son and His obedience to take our place and pay our price that we would be united with our Father in heaven. God, if there's someone who hasn't received the gift, let let it be today. Help them just to acknowledge that they need your forgiveness. And they believe that Christ came at Christmas and lived and died and rose again for them. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.